The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. We are back with another edition of Hoop Ball Grizz. Post game after the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't even want to call it a win. <laughs> it's a win, but man, that game is it was tougher to watch than some of the losses, man. Yeah, it, it was tough. I think I'd rather have a root canal than to, <laughs> than, than to what, what I saw after the night. But, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this. I mean, there are several games uh, remaining on this schedule that I think you hate to say must win, especially when you're talking about a, a young team and, and, and not really expectations. But if you're going to be a playoff team, you think you're going to be a playoff team or in a play-in, this was one that you had to have when you're looking forward to th- at this crazy schedule. And they won, but 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 like like David said, I don't. It wasn't pretty. Uh, I mean, the, the, the box score, I mean, you look at the final score, it looks better than it was. They won a game by 12, but it was a struggle for three quarters. They kind of pulled away there late in, in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't aesthetically pleasing at all, man. And I just kind of sit, sit there, just win the game. Uh, that you got to have it, so take care of business before you go on the East Coast World Trip. And they got the game back to 500, but, again, man, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, you know, they, they hit that big run there. It was what, uh, I wrote it down, 33-9. to nine. Yeah. You know, big run to kind of help put some distance between them. But the whole game, you know, they'd get a, a six, seven, eight, nine point lead, and then it's like they just mess around. And and here come the Timberwolves. They just keep, you know, getting back, cutting it down, single digits, getting it close. And I'm like, this this team is tanking. Why, why is this game even close? What is going on here? I I liked. I was worried about the energy coming into the game and, and i tweeted this early in the game and, and it was funny because a little bit after that you tweeted that you didn't like it but i felt like early in the game they came in looking like they were ready to play there was a, a couple plays early where jv was just you could tell that he was working he missed his shot but he was out working cat on the boards to get an offensive rebound to put it back up and in and you don't always see that you know these guys are not always engage when it comes to these teams that they should beat it's like they they walk into this and they're aware that they are the better team and they're just not turned up for it it, it was probably it's probably jaw is kind of what made me tweet that out because it, I, i've been so frustrated with him especially as of late because i mean you, he just has these, these switches that he flips i mean you see him in the second half and how he gets aggressive in these games and you're thinking why can't why can't you do this earlier in games i mean he just didn't seem to be engaged at all in that first quarter. I mean, he was just kind of going through the motions. And, I mean, he had that one where he tried to throw a behind-the-back pass. It went out of bounds, and then coach immediately took him out. He just walked straight to the bench and brought Tyus in. I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing in these first halves? I mean, he's been so bad in the first half of games. And it, it's getting to the point now, man, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, you see him, he scored over 30 points uh, uh, twice in the last several games. And then you see what's going on in the first half. I just don't understand how he goes from – from those highs to these lows. I mean, he there's big swings with John. I mean, he's, he's really high. He's really low. There's usually not a, a lot of in-between with him. But even when he has bad games, you look at the stat line, the stat lines look solid. It's just you just see the body language with him. Sometimes it just seems like he's not engaged and he's not having fun out there. I think one thing is he's really, and I can't say I blame him, but he's really focused on getting foul calls. I think he's hunting fouls now, and that's something that you don't, really want to see a guy do it. I think he's kind of starting to do that now, and, and, and I don't really like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that either. You know, you see guys that are uh, they're pretty efficient at doing that, and they, you know, they can put up points. They can really 
um, you know, pad the stats. Or, wow, I'm, I messed that up completely. Pad the stats. Um, you know, I, I just that's not, not fun basketball to watch, and it doesn't. The guys that do that when it comes playoff time, their teams are not that successful. The guys are still yeah. successful. They still put up the stats. Their numbers still look good. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't get the job done. And, you know, it's really, for me, it's tough to say, is that exact, you know, are we sure that's what he's doing? Don't know. But it definitely appears like that's what he's doing whenever you watch some, you know, stats don't always, uh, he was 11 points, three rounds, seven assists tonight, which is not an awful line. You'd like to see him score a little bit more, obviously. But, you know, you look at it and it's like, okay, you know, he, he only scored 11. They won by 12. It's fine. They didn't need him to score. But the stats don't always tell the full story. And, you know, that, that, that early body language, I can see where you're coming from. I just overall in, in the beginning from the other guys, I felt like they were, they were ready to go. But I, I do, I remember that pass that you're talking about. And, and looking back at it now, it's easier to say, yeah, I, I kind of get where you're coming from with it. Yeah, I just last year, I mean, you just saw this aggressive. I mean, it seemed like he was just having so much fun out there. And I mean, it just throwing these lobs and you got to get these big dunks and making all these plays. And now this year it just seems like he's frustrated. And I, I hate that. And I think that I think that affects his game. Sometimes I think it just looks like he kind of gives up when he doesn't get foul calls. I mean, he's just passive. He's not aggressive. And I mean, I can understand because I mean, he for a guy that's a button superstar and kind of a a guy that's going to be one of the faces of the league going forward. And you think he does not get any calls. I mean, he goes to the whole time to get hammered. And I think sometimes he just drops his hand and say, well, they're not going to give me the calls. I'm not even going to, going to try. And, and yeah. I, I see that happening. It just seems like sometimes he just gives up. And I just want to see that fun, fun guy out there. I mean, there was last year, he just seemed to be having so much fun playing the game. And I think at times this year, I think it's been a struggle for him. I think he also frustrates kind of the way, teams are guarding him now. I just think he's frustrated out there a lot, and I just wish would, would like to see the guy that we saw last year. And I mean, at times you see that. I mean, in these second halves when he gets aggressive, I mean, he looks like John from last year, but a lot of times out there it just seems like he he kind of gives up at times, and he's the, the leader of this team, especially when Jared Jackson Jr. is not playing. You think he, he's going to be the leader of this team, and sometimes it just seems like he's out there going through the motions. And I mean, he's his second year. I mean, he's really young. I hate to criticize him at all because he's been fantastic for the most part, but this is kind of an observation this year. I think a lot of times he's he's been frustrated out there, and, and sometimes rightfully so. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody is above criticism. You know, I like I don't think what you're saying is too harsh. And you know, for a guy that that the Grizzlies, you know, obviously they're investing in him. They want him to be the leader of this team. The bar has to be higher for him. You know, if this is if this is one of the other guys, if this is a bench player, if this is Tyus coming out with that same body language, doing those same type of things, we're going to look at it differently than with it being Jai. You know, we, you know, the bar is higher for you because we know that you can get there. And so I, I, I don't have a, you know, there's certain, certain players that, you know, justice is one that, that I'm not really going to critique too hard moving forward this season, just because of the amount of time that he had off. So I'm not going to be super hard on him, but you know, if he does something that's a bonehead move, I'm going to call him on it. But oh, for sure. overall, like his shooting, I, I'm I'm not worried about that, man. I think that that's going to come back. I think that he's going to be just fine. I think what we're seeing is just the rust. 
But, you know, this stuff with Ja, this, you know, he's been playing and you, the shots are not always going to fall for you. You're not always going to get the call, but you can control your attitude and the way that you react to it. And like you say, I, I definitely understand, you know, he's taking a beating out there and a lot of times not getting the call. And, you know, that that's definitely going to wear on you. Um, he did go to line. What do you go? He only went six times tonight, but you know, he, he has been going to the line a little bit more. I think after those tech calls, they started maybe getting him a little more. And I think as he continues to improve, you may see him getting more opportunities at the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, in a, a different kind of game tonight, uh, they only Grizzlies only scored 44 points on, from in the paint, but they hit, they, uh, hit 19 threes for 48.7 percent. So, uh, kind of a, a different kind of game, different kind of win tonight. Uh, not doing a lot of floaters, not doing a lot in the paint, but getting it done for the three point line. And, and Grayson Allen, man, uh, we talked about him not just a first quarter player tonight. Uh, he Grayson Allen 15 points, all, all five or seven from three, all coming from the three point line, man. And when he's shooting the basketball like that, I mean, he's really valuable. I know a lot of people kind of think when you look at this ring rotation, he's going to be the odd man out. You or he's going to be the guy that, that should, should be out of the rotation. But, I mean, if, if he shoots a basketball like that, I think he's very valuable. And that's going to be interesting. I, I They have their work cut out from this front office and how they're going to make the decisions of how they're going to consolidate this roster. Because, I mean, at, at times, all these guys have been really good. I mean, we talk about Melton. He was a, another fantastic game for him tonight. But, again, you talk about Grayson knocking down threes. We talk about his defense. But five or seven from three, man, that's, that's valuable for a team that, for some reason, we kind of talked about this last show. Uh, this team, you think that they should shoot threes better than they do, and mm-hmm. when you have a guy coming out on fire like that tonight and has that ability, I mean, I think he should get minutes as well. So it's just, just tough, man, on, on this roster. When Winslow comes back, and you kind of have that problem again, like who plays, who goes to the bench. But uh, I think we're going to see again over the next year, going to the next trade deadline. I think we're going to see somehow they're going to they're going to thin this thing out. But it's going to be interesting because I. I like all these guys. I mean, Melton shooting over 40% from three with his defense. I mean, he's becoming a fantastic two-way player. And, again, I think he should be the starting two-guard on this team. And we're still not seeing that. I, I don't I don't know what's going on there. For some reason, Jenkins just doesn't see it. He goes out there every night and, and, and puts up these numbers, and, and you see what he can do on both ends of the floor. And I don't know what Jenkins is thinking, man. What, what do you think about that, man? I don't I, – at this point, man, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. Man, I I say I, I've got nothing on that. I have absolutely nothing. It's it's mind blowing to me that you watch what he does night in and night out, and it's not like they don't see it. You you wonder if it is like I don't even know the right word to use for it. you know. Uh, we'll say a love affair of Grayson Allen from Jenkins. Yeah. I, I think that that's really, you know, like, I don't know that it's every time that you hear Jenkins talk about Melton and what he's doing and what he's bringing to the team, it's always positive And it's always, you know, it seems to be sincere could be just, you know, that head coach talk and he's selling it, but I, I don't know that he, act, you know, has an issue with Melton. I I don't know. I you know I, I've said it before. I think that he should be playing twenty eight to thirty minutes. No doubt. D- d- does he have to start? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. But, I agree. but to me, he should be getting the bulk of the minutes, and, and that is he's just not that. That is a uh, 
a question I think a lot of Grizzlies fans are asking. And, you know, if you watch some of the other the fans on, on Twitter, I know uh, Jonas Nader, he, uh, I think he's with CBS Sports. He, uh, he is on Jenkins all the time about the playing time with Melton because he, he, man, he goes out there, he produces the weak spot in his game. He put in work in the shortened off season and he is shooting the lights out this year and really doesn't seem to be getting rewarded for it at all because, you know, I'd have to go back and look for sure, but I don't think that his minute count is any higher this year than what it was last year. And, And it makes zero sense to me. No, with the way he's shooting, it's definitely it makes no sense for him to only be playing the same amount of minutes he was playing last year. And you kind of talk about uh, people nationally. The fantasy basketball community has really been on tickets about the kind of the way he handles Melton. I see national guys all the time just chiming in, asking what's going on down there in Memphis. Why isn't Melton playing more? Because the guys you have on the, on the team and you see this production, you like he could be doing this over over more minutes. This production could be even more and. I don't know, man. It's just a strange deal. Uh, it, it just seems like he, has, like you said, had his love affair with Allen, which I can't can't say much tonight, man. A guy goes five or seven from three. You can't complain much about that. But yeah, yeah, that, that's it's like you say they're overloaded at, at the wing, and and I still see a lot of people around the Grizz community. Oh, you know that they need a wing. They need a wing, man. I, I'm telling you right now, if if the Grizzlies. You know they're going to be in this play-in if they end up around the the thirteen the 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 twelve to fifteen range in this draft. There's two big guys out there that I'm taking over any of the wings that are available. I think that they have the wings that they need on this team, man. I think if they draft another wing, it is not going to do anything but clog this up and make this situation yeah. worse. Obviously, we have the off season. We don't know what type of moves they're going to make. But Melton deserves playing time. Grayson Allen, he produces when he's in there. He deserves playing time. Desmond Bain. You know, you've got plenty of guys on this roster that deserve the playing time. Something's got to give. If you draft another, you know, uh, Kispert is a name that yeah, I and see I, and I was popping just about up to bring a that lot. Up. And, and don't take this. Like, this is not me bashing Corey yeah, Kispert. Yeah, Kispert's my it, guy. Yeah, like I love if, if he if he gets drafted, I'm fine with that. He can shoot the freaking light. Like this dude is great. But where does he play it? That's the that's yeah. the, that's the well, thing. Like, where are we going to get him minutes? Who like because you just drafted Bain. Me I mean, yeah, I mean, you got Bain. You, you drafted as a guy who can knock down shots. I mean, you, like you said, you got Grayson. Like, where is he? Where is he playing? Is he going to come in and supplant these guys? I I don't think so. That's that's yeah. kind of the thing. I mean, I was on the wing kick too, and that's because that's just kind of been the general thoughts of, of what this team needs. but And I've said this many times, that they may need a wing, but they need a Zach Levine or that level player to kind of change mm-hmm. it. I mean, you can't, you don't need to bring in another rotation level wing because, I mean, there's just nowhere for them to play. Yeah. Hey, I, if they're setting the 13 to 15 range, I'm taking Kai Jones out of Texas. Love Kai Jones. Or, or I'm taking Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. I'm ta- I don't I don't care who else is on the board because the guys that I would take over them, they're going to be gone in the first five picks. If I'm setting 13 to 15, you're looking at Franz Wagner, Kispert, Jalen Johnson, possibly, uh, Boat Knight, Zaire Williams, Sharif Cooper. I- I'm taking Jackson or I'm taking Kai Jones. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think that's the move, man. And and you still, yeah, you still have JV under contract. You have Tillman. You have Jaron that's going to play the four. Kyle, something has got to move. That that's just they're they're going to be higher up in this draft. They're going to be you know mid mid first round at worst. And if they get super crazy lucky, maybe at the top of this draft, and then we're having a completely different conversation. Oh yeah about who they're taking because I think that a guy like Jalen Green can be a, a generational talent and he is a guy that okay yeah we're loaded up at the wing but if you got an opportunity to land uh, uh, Jonathan Kaminga yeah, or Jalen Green or yeah. Arcade Cunningham you take those guys but when you get outside of that you know the the top Cade Evan Jalen Jalen Scotty Barnes and Kaminga. When you get past those guys, the rest of that stuff, I'm taking a big over any of those other wings. Keon Johnson, Kispert, Jalen, Franz Wagner, I'm taking a big. That that's, yeah. you know, I just don't think that the wings are the problem, man. Yeah, because when you talk about guys like Jalen Green and Kaminga, those are guys that you think could come in and be that third piece at some point. So I mean that you they could come in and supplant these guys. But like you said, once you get in the middle round, these are rotational-level players just like guys you already got uh, on the mm-hmm. roster. I mean, you just add another body into a, a mix that you're already trying to figure out how you're going to get all these guys minutes. So I, I totally agree with that. It's going to be interesting. I think they're going to have to make some kind of moves this summer. I mean, I don't think we're going to see anything major this summer, but I think we'll see something uh, happen with kind of that wing rotation. But, um, I mean, this game was, like we said, or, or at, at the top of the show, it was – Kind of tough to watch, but one thing that I, I did enjoy tonight was the guys off the bench. I mean, it was a really good night for the bench. I mean, you got 14 points for Melton, uh, 11 for Tyus Jones, 12 for Xavier Tillman, and 11 for BC. So you got four guys off the bench in, in double figures. And, and Tyus Jones really, really played well tonight. He's been struggling as of late, but had a really good game tonight. Added three rebounds, five assists, and still uh, knocked out two threes. Uh, I mean, so he, he plus 12 on the night, so he had a really nice game. Uh, BC played really well. Uh, but I think a team leading plus 18 tonight, four rebounds, two assists, steal, a block. I mean, just all across the board. Xavier Tillman, I've been kind of talking about him and how I felt like he needed to be back in the rotation. Nice night for him. 12 points, four rebounds, a steal on the block. He also knocked down a three uh, plus five in Man, that makes me minutes, so happy. So, so happy. I mean, he got an interview <laughs> after the game too, man. So it's been a while, man, because, I mean, you, you just look back earlier this season. I mean, we were talking about how much of a revelation uh, this guy was, especially during the time when – Jaw was out, and we had some guys out. I mean, he was playing really well. I mean, defensively, I think he's far advanced for a rookie. I mean, he has great footwork on the inside. I mean, I just love his potential, and I just hate it because I know when when Justin Winslow comes back, he's back out of the rotation. But I'm I'm glad to see that he's playing well when he's given an opportunity. Because I mean, just kind of kind of proved me right. Because I've been kind of kind of trumpeting his his uh the idea of him being in this rotation here the last couple of weeks, and he he looked good tonight. He he did, you know. JV picked up those two fouls, and, and I think that he he done a, a stellar job against Carl Anthony Towns, and that's you know he uh, he shoots it from the outside a lot more than I think that he needs to. Obviously, like the yeah. the the new new NBA is uh you know like a, a stretch five, a guy that can shoot it from the outside, and Towns can definitely do that. But yeah, I just think with his size that that he would be a lot more dangerous down low than, than yeah. what he is from the perimeter. So, you know, it, it's not that I – obviously there's going to be times when you're you're stretching the floor, you're out there, that's going to be the shot that you take. But I think a lot of times he kind of – that's like a, a 
a cop out for him. Like he just kind of falls back to that. But I, I like a lot of the things that Tillman does. One of the, I can't remember. I was going to, maybe it was a jazz game. I can't remember. There was one game that he was, he was out there on the floor ball goes up and he had the offensive player completely behind the backboard, like just controlling position. I'm like, there's no way that that dude was getting the rebound. Like Tillman just, and, and positioning being an undersized guy, positioning for rebounding is so important and it's not flashy. It's not fancy. It, it's, just fundamental basketball and he does all of that stuff at a high level and i i do you know from day one i thought that he could be the future starting five for this team i still think that that's a possibility i you know you've got jv i don't know what the market would look like for him and, and i know you're feeling like Man, I'm sorry. I'm going at like g- going down a rabbit trail here, but you know, no, are you good? I, I'm, th- this is not a like I'm not a fire ass audit. Just get rid of everybody. But I I think that that Tillman is going to be a, a great piece for the Grizzlies moving forward, and, and I like what he brings to the table because you're not. Uh, I think you're you're gaining by a long shot on the defensive end with him out there as opposed to JV. You know, there's obviously things offensively that he can't do that JV can. So you know, there, there's pluses and minuses on both sides, but uh, I, I great great pick by the Grizzlies, and I'm not ready for Winslow to come back because I don't want him to go out of the rotation. Yeah, I, I agree 100. Um, percent I just think, and we talked about this last show. JV just struggles so much with his, his defensive rotations, and then when you have BC playing backup center, I mean he. Block shots. I mean, he makes some plays, but at times he's just undersized. And Tillman just brings something that neither one of those guys can do defensively. And I think that's what makes him so valuable. And you kind of wish you could kind of bring what, what JV. What I mean, not what JV, but what Tillman brings to put that into to uh, Balanchunas to, to kind of be a better defender. And then you have a complete player. So it's just kind of a weird deal because he can't do the things offensively that JV does, but JV can't do the things that he does defensively. And I think. I don't think JV is going to be here when his team when his team is his finished product. I don't think John Valentunas will be on this team. And I think, and, and again, I think Tillman is a guy that you could put in next to Jared because the way Jared can score, he kind of makes up for uh, the shortcomings that Tillman has on the offensive end. I really think that could work. I, I like the way he fits next to to Jaron Jackson Jr. Speaking of Jaron Jackson Jr., he spoke to the media today, and um, he seems like he's on the man and about to be sound like he's optimistic that he's returning it sooner rather than later. So it may, I said April 28, maybe it'll be on that seven game road trip. Maybe he comes back a little bit early. I hope that's the case because I want to see him out there as much as possible. I know they're probably going to rest him on back to back. So you're going to miss him on some of those games. So the early he comes back, the better. Cause I really want to see him out there and how he fits into this team. But I think he brings a, a total different dynamic to this team. Again, I think it, it's going to open up lanes for job. Ja. I think Ja's going to be better. I think everybody on the team is going to be better because, I mean, you have to honor him uh, in his three-point shooting, and that's something that they don't have right now. Yeah, and you talked about, uh, like, Ja having fun, and it, th- those two work so well off of each other. You know, and Jaron is just, you know, th- there's times when you, you see the fire out there, but he's just a fun guy. And I, I think yeah. that that energy, when he's out there on the floor, he's bringing that energy and you can see it, you know, when he's out there with these other guys, it rubs off on the uh, 
on the rest of the team. And I'm, I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later, but you know, he, he seemed pretty confident and what I saw that, you know, he said, Oh yeah, definitely this month, I believe was, uh, exactly what he said. And and I like, he's like, I miss you guys. I miss talking to you. (laughs) And so, you know, it's, um, I really, I've liked him when he was, when I first bought season tickets, like it, it was his rookie year and I fell in love with that dude so early in the season. I'm like, man, I think that he's going to be good. And so like, I've been all in on him since very early in, in his rookie season. And I know that, you know, there was kind of some Grizzlies fans were like, um, want, want somebody different, but uh, yeah, I, was, I raised, I raised my hand. I, I was like vehemently against that pick when they made it. I was like, man, God, we like this. We went through this tough season and we got this guy. He only averaged 12 points a game in college. I'm like, this is like the, another bad draft pick by this team. And I, Eight crow on that one, and I was glad to <laughs> eat crow. I remember that that summer league game where he went off. I think he had like nine threes in that game, and uh, I mean from from there, I mean I knew I was like this this guy is infectious. I mean the smile, the way he plays the game, and he's exciting. Man, I was glad to have him. I mean I was completely wrong on it. I was glad to glad to be wrong. And I think I mean you saw some things. I think late last year the way he was taking guys off the dribble, uh, the kind of the handle he had. I mean he was doing some unicorn type stuff out there. They got they got to call him the unicorn. I mean I saw some things. From him, I mean, he looks like he has the ability to be a, a bona fide, bona fide superstar in this league. I really do believe that. I think, I know. I mean, I, the rebounding thing, people kind of talk about that, but offensively, I think he has another gear that he can get to, even than what we've seen. And I'm excited for his return, and hopefully, again, we we get to see some of that this year. I don't know if we'll ever see the 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 Jared that we saw at the end of last year this year with such short time. But I think going into next year, him and John just played like you said so well together to pick and roll. Uh, and, and the way they play together, it's it's gonna be fun and to have these two guys going forward. And I'm just happy that it looks like he's on the way back. Yeah, man. The 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 rebounding thing. I, I've said it before. I'll say it a million times. It doesn't bother me. You look at this game tonight, and you have everybody that played. Killian Tilly is the only one that didn't get a rebound. But the, uh, of the guys that played minutes, actual minutes in the game, you got. Ja had three, Dylan had three, Grayson had three, Kyle had eight, Brandon Clark had four, Melton had four, Tillman had four, Ties had three, and Bain had seven rebounds. So, you know, you don't have to have Jaron pulling down, you know, 10, 11 rebounds a game. You, you don't have to have that. You can rebound as a team and, and be okay. And, and that's, I left out JV. He had 11 rebounds tonight. But that, you know, I done that on purpose because you look at, you take him out of the equation, you've still got guys on this team that are great positional rebounders. And, and I think that, uh, I think that they'll be fine. That's not something I, I see it so many times of people worrying about that. And it's, it's not to me, that's very, very far down on the list. Uh, another thing to back, back to the game tonight, cause we've been kind of going up and down and all around and, and talking about the game and weaving in and out of it. But Dylan Brooks, he he is I call him the T Wolf killer because <laughs> he like in, in nineteen twenty, in the nineteen twenty season, he averaged twenty eight points a game against the T Wolves. And he just he had you know an off night tonight, just didn't didn't shoot the ball that well. I was really expecting him to have a big game, and I don't know why he, he seems to play well against them, but you know, I, I guess that's uh just one of the the weird things in life, you know. Some some teams you just kind of hit your stride against, but uh, 
he definitely didn't do it tonight. Yeah, he, he did struggle a little bit tonight. Five of 13 for the field. Did end up hitting, hitting two threes uh, in the game. But, yeah, it was a – wasn't it wasn't a, a pretty game for for DB tonight? Was wasn't efficient. Twelve points, uh, three rebounds. I mean, he hit some shots late. Ended up being plus two in twenty four minutes. But what uh, wasn't a bet one of one of his better nights? Uh, Slow mo, seven points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Still a block, filling up the stat sheet. I mean, struggled from the floor though. Two of eight from the field. Uh, one of three from the free throw line. I mean, from the three from the free throw line. Yeah, um, in twenty minutes, he's a plus two. So I mean, uh, I mean, again, I mean, it was just a, a game where. They they had to get the win and they were able to do it. It wasn't wasn't pretty. It was a real struggle from three quarters. Every time it seemed like they pulled away, uh, Minnesota would come right back. Nas Reed, a uh, big game, eighteen points for him tonight. He kind of kind of did some work on the inside and, and knocked down a couple threes as well. I mean, he was a kind of a problem all night uh, for the Grizzlies. They're kind of keeping them in the game, but um, again, man, they they won the game. Uh, got a tough East Coast road trip coming up starting on Sunday, man, and it's 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 a tough one. I mean, you got. Start off in Philadelphia, you know how tough that is, um, and, and then you followed up with with Miami, which Chris got a win there in, in Memphis here a couple of weeks ago. I know they're going to be looking for a little revenge on that one. Then you go travel to the Hawks. The Hawks are playing better, um, and then then to Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. You kind of look at this road trip, man. It, it's tough, but if you could find a way to go two and two, I think you have to be really happy with that. And you kind of look at those last two games that Hawks at Knicks. I think those are kind of the ones that you think, well, if they're going to steal two, those might be the two. Man, I kind of, I'll be honest with you, I lean more toward the, the Miami game. And, and this is the reason. Oladipo, you know, they they traded for him at the deadline, and he's down there. And they're going to have some stuff to figure out with where the ball is going to go. You know, he's generally a high-volume guy. And they're trying to, uh, you know, integrate him into this offense. So I'm hoping that that is a hiccup enough that that will leave the door open for the Grizzlies to get that win. The 76ers, don't know if Embiid is supposed to be back, I think, Saturday. Yeah. I think, I think uh, Minnesota plays them tomorrow. But it's a back-to-back, though, so yeah, we'll yeah. see how so, that kind of works you know, out. If he, if he does play Saturday, my guess is, coming off of that injury, he's probably not going to play the back-to-back. But, you know, so either way, even without Embiid, that the, you know, playing at Philly is still going to be a, a yeah. tough win. Still got to do with Simmons and, and Harris and – so, I mean, yeah. it's still still a tough team, uh, especially especially on the road. That's a place where the Grizzlies haven't played well uh, in, in in the past. But, uh, I mean, you, you never know. Uh, I mean, we, you talk about the schedule. And I've, I've heard some guys talking over the last week, and they're looking at the stress, the seven-game road trip, and they're predicting the Grizzlies to go 0-7. I mean, they're not going to go 0-7. I, I, know it, I know it looks crazy, but I think this team is good enough. They're going to still win here or there somewhere. I, I would be shocked if they go 0-7 on that road trip. I mean, you you look at these games, you'll say, oh, well, they're not going to beat, just say, Denver or something in there, and they, they, they end up winning one of those games. You just never know in the NBA from night in and night out what's going to happen. You might catch a team resting guys, I mean, on a back-to-back. I haven't really looked through it to see what other, what the other teams doing the road trip going to be on a back-to-back, but you just never know, but they're not going to go 0-7 on their trip. Yeah, no, I don't buy that. That's Is it possible? Sure, they're playing, they're playing seven games that, it is possible that they lose those games, but I don't think it's probable. I'm with you. I think somewhere in there, they're going to find a way. And over the course of the season against better competition, they've played up to the level. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, one of the things that was so frustrating about this game tonight, is, you know, they're just 19 threes. Nine, Grayson Allen by himself made the same amount of threes as the entire team against the Jazz. Like, can you guys not just like, 
Let's let's rewind and y'all just throw a couple of those into that jazz <laughs> game, man. I mean, just a couple. It, it's a different game. Yeah, it, it is. It definitely is. But it, it's the way it bounces, man. You, you, you're going to have games where it just doesn't fall. And then tonight it was falling for them. So hopefully they can keep that momentum. Uh, going to be a, a this East Coast trip is is a little rough. They get three games at home and then they then they hit the monster, man. That that big. You know that road trip is tough, but then even when they come back home, they've got Portland at their as their first game at home, and that's a uh, that's no easy task, man. Portland's a good team, and they just signed uh, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. Yeah. So you know that that team's just getting deeper. Nurkic is back, and so it's that that one's that there. I think that Portland will be better at the end of this season than what they were last season, and they were playing pretty well there at the end of the bubble. They just did didn't have enough for. Uh, didn't have enough for the Lakers, but maybe they do this year. Yeah, man, and that's one thing I kind of hated about that COVID shutdown. I mean, Grizzlies were playing well. They would have missed Nurkic and CJ McCollum. They had to back-to-back with Portland. They got canceled. Now they got to see both of those guys in both games. I kind of hated that because I felt good. I felt like the Grizzlies were in a good place at that point. I felt good going into those two games at Portland, and they end up getting canceled. Now they got to face them at, at, at pretty much full strength, but – um, I mean, again, man, you just look at this, and, and I think what one thing, another thing that kind of makes that road trip is so brutal is just you got to play at Denver twice. I mean, that's altitude mm-hmm. two games, and you're already playing all these back to backs, and you got to be on a road for a week and a half. I mean, that that's really tough to to have to play there, play at Denver twice. So, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but again, I think the Grizzlies will find a way. You look at that, you said they're all they're not gonna win this game, and you look up and they're at the Clippers, and they end up winning at the Clippers. You just you just never know um, in the NBA from night in to night out. But again, I think they find find a couple of wins. I think on this East Coast road trip, if you go two and two, I think you feel good, feel really good. If it ends up being one and three, I mean, I think that keeps you afloat. And then that seven game road trip, I think three and four, I think is what you would love to to be able to do. Two and five, I think think you're okay. But I think three and four would be fantastic if they get, if they could find three wins on that trip. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, with tonight's win, getting them back to 500, they are in ninth, a half game back of the Spurs for the eight seed. Man, what about the Warriors tonight? I mean, we, you made that comment <laughs> about about Steve Kerr before he got in the game, and I, and I and I told you like I've I've been willing to have that conversation for a long time. I think a lot of people could have coached those Warriors teams to to the finals of the championship if they won. I don't think that had a lot to do with Steve Kerr. I think he kind of mm. walked into a, a ready-made kind of situation, and I mean I, I'm not saying that he. Didn't have anything to do with it, but I think a lot of guys would have had a lot of success with that roster. He was not even the best coach on that staff, man. That that's what I a couple of my buddies that uh, they're fans uh, of him, and I'm like, I just don't think that he's a good coach. No, I, 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 don't I never thought he was. And, and these two, uh, the these two seasons right here, just go. Yeah, I understand what you're missing, and I know that's going to be a big hit. But look at what Greg Popovich is doing in San Antonio. I know. And I bet I was saying that the other night. I was like, there's no way that team should be competing for the playoffs that, with that roster that they have in San Antonio. And that's all Greg Popovich. That's a sign of a good coach when you can – I mean, he had all the success when he had, a, had this talent, but now you kind of see that that wasn't just about the talent. I mean, that guy is a heck of a coach. I mean, to have this team right now, the roster that he has in playoff contention, I mean, you lose LaMarcus Aldridge and he wasn't even playing – for, for a while, even before the end, and they're still finding a way to win games to get it done. I mean, that shows you the, the testament of a good coach. And you see, like you said, what what uh, what Steve Kerr's doing right now with 
with this, this depleted roster, and, and they're not doing much. I mean, they're in 10th place. Even when Steph Curry was playing, they still weren't really competing not the way the Spurs are. So, I mean, I, I, I think that just kind of shows you that, I mean, that, that he's not really that great of a coach like a lot of people have crowned him as. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, – when you have – four Hall of Fame players in the same uh, starting lineup, I don't think you have to be a great coach to get them to the level that they were at. And that's not implying that that job is easy. I, I know that there there's a lot that goes into a head coaching job, but I just feel like a lot of times guys get a lot more credit than what they deserve because of the, the players that they had. Yeah, and, and, and with that team, another thing with with those guys outside of Draymond, usually in those situations, you have a lot of ego management to deal with. I don't, and I don't think that's the case with guys like Steph and, and Clay. I mean, I don't think you really have to manage any egos there. I mean, Draymond is the one that you just kind of kind of have to try to reel in it. I mean, he, they haven't really done that. I mean, Draymond's going to be Draymond. So even mm-hmm. in that vein, I don't I don't think he's had to deal with that a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just yeah, I can. Um... I can only take so much when I get around somebody that's a, that's a Warriors fan and they, they start talking about, you know, how good Kerr is. And, and it's, it's not like that's a, a common conversation, but I just kind of get up and walk away from it because it's just, it's just not the truth, man. I, I, if he does something, you know, Curry's not that he's old by any stretch, but you know, they're, they're hitting a rough patch here. If he were to keep these teams, in the contention for playoffs, and they are because of this play-in right now. Yeah. But w- without this play-in, without the play-in at the end of the season, I don't feel like the Warriors are going to be there. I don't think they're going to be in position to battle for that eight seed. No. I, I, you know, you know that that is – he has talent on that roster. Draymond has still been playing. You know, they drafted Wiseman. He's a rookie. There's going to be learning curve there. Kelly Oubre – there's plenty of guys on that roster that that are talented enough for them to be just a little bit better than what they. Yeah, are. I mean, even and even I, Pascal think, Pascal was really good last year, and he, yeah. He, so I mean, I mean, they have talent on that team. There's, you know, I mean, even these, these other guys. So Scott is, is is a good, a, a solid player. I mean, they have a lot of guys on that team can play. Um, and again, I, I think if you take him out of that seat and put Greg Popovich in there, I think they're probably the, the fifth or sixth seed, sixth seed right now. Probably doing the same thing San Antonio is doing, and I think again, I just think that shows you how a lot of time guys get overrated. These guys when they win a championship, and you think just like um, Scott Vogel. I don't think Scott Vogel's a fantastic coach. I mean, the Lakers won a championship, but I don't think it has anything to do with Scott Vogel. I think you could have had a lot of people in that team. You got LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team. Uh, I mean, I think I, I probably could coach that team to a championship. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I got man, one hundred percent agree with you on that. That's, and I I don't, I think that Vogel is a better coach than Kerr, but I you know, Vogel's going to get a lot more, you know he's he's going to get a lot more recognition. Oh well, he's won a championship. Yeah, he had you know arguably the greatest player of all time on the team with another top five player. So, you know, not top five all time, but top five of the, uh, you know, in that genre or or that, uh, oh man, I lost the word. It's gone. (laughs) That era, you know, like, you know, Anthony Davis, I I think that you can make the argument when he's healthy that he's probably a top five player in this league uh, along with LeBron James. And that's, you know, 
there are moments when it does take coaching, but there are not a lot of moments that you really have to coach when you have a coach on the floor. Yeah, because, I mean, basically, you, you kind of look at even at the Lakers huddles. I mean, it's LeBron James usually kind of leading those huddles. Vocals just kind of standing there with the clipboard, and LeBron's, like, talking to the team. I mean, you see it see it all the time. It's, even in, in Golden State, you kind of see Draymond and he's in, in the huddle talking to the guys, and Skiles is just kind of kind of looking at his assistants. I mean, you, I, I see that all the time. So, I mean, that, that's just kind of kind of what it is and kind of off subject here. But Vogel was almost a Grizz coach at one point. I mean, they went hard after him. Uh, the time they hired Fisdale, um, and he ended up uh, taking another job. What, was it the Lakers that he took in? I can't remember where he went, but the Grizzlies went hard after him that offseason, but they ended up hiring Fisdale. But uh, I think that would have been interesting. Yeah, I, I'm – Fisdale obviously didn't work out, but, you know, if they – I don't know. I wonder what would have happened there. I, like I said, I, I don't dislike Vogel. I don't think that he's a bad coach. But, but you know, I, I think that he's going to get a lot more – credit than what he deserves because of that championship and and man i i kind of that that's interesting i wonder how that would have worked out if he would have uh would have signed here with memphis and and been the coach so that would have been when they signed fizdale that was um oh man what year was that because you had can't remember fizdale when, when, when they when, staff right? yeah when they when they hired when they had fizdale i thought it was a fantastic hire. I, I was i was excited about it and i mean it just fizzled out, man. I mean, he showed that he's just not uh, a he, good coach and then went on to New York and it was even worse. I mean, it's, well, he's just not a good coach. I think I think he's an he, he's think he's not an a assistant. good head coach, man. Yeah, I think he's an I, assistant. He's not, yeah, like I, I think that there's been guys, players that have been like, he he has got a great basketball mind. So I yeah, think oh, no doubt about that. Definitely deserves to be on a staff somewhere. But I just don't, you know, some guys are just not the head guy. Yeah. And and that's okay. You kind of had the situation with Mark, and they just talked about how he just doesn't know how to handle players as far as just just talking to them and how to handle certain situations. But I think he he does definitely has a great basketball mind. He's on NBA Jump as a guest guest co-host sometime on there, and he's fantastic uh, on there breaking down the game. But again, and a lot of guys said that they just feel like he's a better assistant, and I think there are some guys that are not built to be in the head chair, and I guess he just seems to be one of those guys. Man, we we have uh, we we went all over the place. <laughs> all over the place, man. All over the map. Run the the final score of the game: one twenty to one hundred eight. The Grizzlies win. Get back to five hundred. Good for ninth in the West. Half game back of the eight seed. Next game is Sunday in Philadelphia. We will be back with a post game. And I don't know what the schedule is going to be like. We we may sneak another episode in there. I will uh I'll chat with Isaac. We'll see what we can do. It's my my weekend to work, so I, I don't know if I'll have time to get all the information I need. So we may not get one, but we'll for sure be back with a post game Sunday, and then we'll yeah, go from man. there. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, man. Start start a four game road trip. Uh, tough game on Philly again. We might might miss him beat. Uh, missed him the first game. Uh, Grizzlies got extremely lucky with missing guys th- this year, but they haven't always taken advantage of it. Those are the games that they seem to really struggle, but. Yeah, man, if they can find a way to get a win in Philly, I think that would be great to kind of get some momentum to start off their road trip. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they they need to get to get it rolling. I think that would be great. You know, have some confidence going into uh, going into Miami. Maybe uh, Oladipo will clog that up enough that they can pull out a win there. Who knows? Maybe we go four and zero on this road trip. Yep, you never you never know, man. It's in the association, man, night in and night out, you see some some crazy stuff uh, happen, happen, but. 
again, man, we'll be back with you Sunday. I think that's a 6 p.m. tip. Uh, so uh, won't, won't be as late, man. The game be over with about 8.15, 8.30. So get a, get a post-game in, man, and hopefully we'll be discussing the Grizz win. Yep. All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at Grizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac is Isaac underscore Rivals. Thanks for listening. Until next time, go Grizz. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.